This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. Welcome to Travel Is Your Business, everybody. My name is Pub and Ball, and today our guest is no other than Mr. Gene Quinn, the co-founder of T-News, uh, which is a B2B media company and brand which covers the digital travel economy. Uh, of course, we're going to find out uh, about all that means, all the things they cover, and what the travel economy really means to, to Gene in just a moment, because our show starts right now. My name is Gene Quinn. I'm co-founder of T-News, and what I love about travel is the people, the culture, and the food. And I make a big distinction between culture and food because I love to eat and I love red wine. What I look for is authentic experiences, comfort in the moment, not necessarily comfort as an objective, and just meet as many people as I can who I haven't interacted with before and bring those memories home with me. From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry with Tavan Ball, technology thought leader and community builder, John Matson, digital director at Voyager HQ, and growth strategist, Peter Crisdale. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the show. I'm one of your hosts, Pavan Ball, and joining me today to my left is Mr. Peter Crisdale. Hey, everyone. And of course, to my right is John Matson. Hi there. What's going on? And uh, as aforementioned, our guest today is none other than Gene Quinn. He is the co-founder of T News. What's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Nice to be here. Nice. Hi, everybody. Hi Appreciate you coming hey, out. <laughs> uh, so let's start here, uh, as we like to do, is why don't you give us a brief kind of high arching 30,000 foot overview of uh, what you do, who you are, and what T News is all about. Sure. Well, at 30,000 feet, we're still five we're not to 7,000 below cruising altitude. We're not cruising yet. So please do not lower your trade tables <laughs> and do not lift your armchairs. It's okay to have your mobile devices on as long as they're in air- airplane mode. Mm-hmm. With that... Uh, T-News is a eight-year-old brand, which was created in the depths of 2009's recession to cover the digital travel economy. And four of us as harebrained founders decided that it was time for travel to be dragged kicking and and screaming into the the present uh, time. And what we did was create a, a B2B media company with a taxonomy that I'm happy to share with you guys and, uh, and show as a guide to how industry thinks of itself when it, uh, when it covers itself. Um, but the, uh, the opportunity there was massive. It was instantly a global company because of the global nature of the Internet. We're a virtual company with no corporate offices, with half of our team based in the U.K. and the other half based in the U.S., and loads of contributors and guest commentators positioned all over the world. But in effect, what we do is explain the, the, the gearbox of the travel car or the engine room of the travel ship, if you, if you will. Um, and T-News specializes in the application of technology to the travel experience from the perspective of business people who are trying to connect consumers with that experience. Excellent. So we're going to get uh, into that in just a moment. And uh, before we do, I want to make quick mention that there are some delicious nuggets or nougats uh, on the table. Uh, what did you bring for us today, man? I brought you my favorite coconut macaroons from a secret bakery in Fairfield County, Connecticut. Somewhere in the northeastern United States? Somewhere in the I feel like you're doing them a disservice by making them secret, and you should probably reveal their identity. It's actually the pantry. (laughs) (laughs) Gene, that was too easy. If I roll that quickly, I'll expect the baker's closet. (laughs) So the pantry in Fairfield, thank you so much for bringing that. So we're going to pass those around, and uh, who wants to... Yeah. Toss up the first question. Absolutely. So, Gene, already I'm curious because you used the phrase digital travel. And it seems like uh, it seems like an oxymoron. So I, I want to hear your definition of what what is digital travel? What was it in 2009 and what does it mean now? Well, two things. Um, when we say digital travel economy, we mean the ecosystem of, of how travel has transitioned from a non-digital analog world, which was driven primarily by an agency network of human beings that were interfacing with travel. Previously, when you walked up and bought a ticket, before days when you had to be security scanned, 
cash or a credit card would buy you a ticket. Or if you called a travel agent, they were a bonded salesperson and marketing representative of a travel company. All right? You could walk into a hotel, buy it. You could walk up to a travel agent or call a travel agent and transact it. What changed all of that was World Wide Web, not the internet. The internet was floating around as DARPAnet for years before there was World Wide Web. So the commercialization of the internet in 1994 was much easier to adapt widget-based businesses like airplane parts or auto parts than it was to adapt service experiences that required human interaction. So the travel industry has lagged as a merchant or retailer of travel services necessarily because there were huge legacy systems set up to transact business through these agency networks or through what are called POS or point-of-sale systems. So when you walked into a United Airlines or British Airways High Street uh, Airlines office, you were talking to a human being who was sitting behind a green screen computer and making your reservation and then writing you a, uh, an airplane ticket with red carbon paper. Sure. That all changed in 1994. So when we say digital travel economy, we're not talking about teleportation. We're not talking about you know experiencing travel in your brain. You still have to get there. There are right. two sides of travel. The analog side, which means you're sitting on the beach or skiing on a mountain. And then there's the digital distribution network, which has an omni-channel collection of ways now, some of which are digital, some of which are analog, that you can buy your experience. Now, now your platform, you cover a vast variety of types of information from funding news to strategy, digital, whatever it may be that covers the entire, I mean, supply chain all the way out to booking and um, yes. OTAs. So in in... From from your seat, what do you get mo most excited about in terms of innovation in the digital space when it comes to travel? Like, what has been the most current, recent, interesting things that you've been seeing that are m making impact? Well, there's actually two. Um, since we started, we have favored the idea of innovation through what we call startups as an element of our taxonomy. We look at the world as devices, distribution, marketing, social, startups, and systems. And every one of those six items of taxonomy is a euphemism for something else. So startups means disruption. Systems means legacy and new. So one of the things that we've been consistently most excited about is the idea of startups. We've run over 800 startup pitches. We give startups the, the unpaid right to pitch us on their, on their idea and their business as long as it's a going concern of some sort with some level of funding. And we uh, offer them a questionnaire that they can explain their business. So we're, we're always excited about innovation uh, and startups. The other thing that we're excited about, and I'm most personally excited about, is mobile. We saw it coming. We did not change the industry in any way. We just covered the way the industry has been changing. When we started this business, it was three years before Facebook went public. And even then, the founders of Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg and others, were telling the world how big mobile was going to be. Everybody was listening. Many people were doing things about it, but most industries weren't equipped to do anything about it. And it's just happening now. And I, I really like the idea of um, the interest that's being shown in voice recognition and voice search technology right now by large companies like Baidu and, and WeChat in China, Amazon in the U.S., um, Facebook in the area of chatbots, although it's technically not voice recognition. So the things I'm excited about are the continuing thread of startups and voice recognition and mobile technology and travel. Yeah, I'd, even in the last two years, I think I've started to see a lot of mobile apps that are or travel companies that are mobile only. You know, it's not like they have a mobile app. It's not even the mobile, mobile first. first. Yeah, it's straight yeah, up mobile, mobile only. Yeah. 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 I mean, so what trends have you seen? You can call out a specific company if you want. Well, I, I would say that companies that thought of themselves as mobile first yeah. uh, now think of them as mobile centric. Sure. Companies mm -hmm. that didn't exist at all now, th many of them think of themselves as mobile only. So to your point, I'm agreeing with you that uh, large companies that were in transition, they still have many channels of distribution that are profitable and they and cultural. They can't quite give them up because you can't stop the world from spinning if you're a big company, especially a public company. Investors, shareholders don't let you do that. So you need to manage that migration and transition. So the, the core of what we do as business journalists is we cover that transition so people are less scared about it. So we like to say there's a dizzying array of confusion and, and fear and loathing and doubt and uncertainty 
all the time if you're in business today because there are so many channels that you have to, to distribute. How do you get from point A to point D without killing your business at point B and C is a very big challenge for most CEOs at big companies. The startup escape velocity that's required to, to get a business off the ground as a new business, that's a whole bit of a different level of challenge. How do you get from point A to point B? You might argue is even harder to get from point A to point D if you have a going business at right. point it's A. It's like how do you get from point zero to point A? Exactly. <laughs> Well, I mean, you were mentioning that, um, you know, T-News has held like 800 startup pitches um, and you've covered both larger scale, com like larger companies, bigger companies and and startups and startups seem so exciting. Have you found like um, over over the eight years of T-News being in existence kind of um, a trend in the relationship with startups in those larger companies? Because as they're going towards mobile centric or, you know, basically trying to do those shifts that you're talking about. Um, is there somewhere that startups have had an opportunity in particular that you found exciting or? Well, there's at least three, um, three perspectives I can offer you. First of all, a lot of people have quit those legacy companies to go <laughs> create their own company. That's the obvious right. one. Uh, secondly, a lot of companies have created incubators or accelerators inside of them. Some companies that you may not be familiar with or may be familiar with who were the technology platforms that the travel agency networks and the airlines use to distribute their products are called global distribution systems mm -hmm. or GDSs. Companies like Amadeus, Travelport, Sabre. Um, and these companies um, have, have a relationship with the startup community uh, that has grown over the last eight years that we've been in business. Not that we've We've had anything to do with that direct growth, but we've promulgated that idea. I come out of the media business, specifically the newspaper business for 20 years and the cable television business for three years after that. Um, the media business got blindsided by digital in ways that were extremely disruptive to the legacy business, much more so than travel. Travel was able to absorb it because the pace of, of acceptance of these digital technologies by consumers was a little slower than the almost automatic um, acceptance of PCs, laptops, mobile devices as media instruments. So things like Twitter and Facebook very quickly with the millennial generation um, uh, cratered the advertising models around appointment viewing on television and around reading uh, ideas and thoughts printed mm. on the page. So, so what was your experience with travel prior to T-News, and how did you go from working in media to specific focus in travel? Sure. Um, my entry into travel was as I was exiting the traditional media business with the d digital division of Tribune Company. Uh, we made a minority investment in America Online in 1991 before the World Wide Web was invented, um, which was 1994. So in that three-year period, we experimented with a lot of digital products by building on the AOL platform with local services. For example, in Chicago, we created a service called Chicago Online, which was delivered as part of the America Online service. In Orlando and Florida, where we own two newspapers, uh, we created a service called Florida Online, which re redistributed the content of the newspaper and added interactive things wow. like chat to that. That's very forward-thinking. Well, we weren't the only ones doing it. Uh, uh, Knight Ritter, for example, uh, the San Jose Mercury News and the Miami Herald, they were already out there as well. Um, but, but nobody was, was making the kind of investments that we were making in other people's companies. Uh, we invested in minority deals in America Online, Peapod Grocery Shopping, uh, Excite uh, Search Engine, before Google even existed. Mm -hmm. I think the two Google guys were still students when, when this all happened. Uh, iVillage, which was an early World Wide Web uh, service targeted at, at women. Um, and we uh, also invested in a company called Open Market, which was an early e-commerce platform, and Check Free Corporation, which was an online bill payment system, all of which converted to the internet when it became possible to do so. So I cut my teeth leaving the, the publishing business and jumping with both feet into the digital business in the very early days. So where I'm really curious is you mentioned that travel was slower to absorb some of these changes. Was that realization simultaneous to you deciding to start T-News? No, it was, it was more gradual than that. In hindsight, it seems like <laughs> I just snapped my <laughs> yeah, fingers it for, does, for yeah. a podcast. Um, <laughs> what, what my transition was, um, was discovering through a friendship and a 
collegial uh, trade association partnership with a fellow by the name of Philip Wolf, who was the founder of a, a well-known travel research company and, and conference company uh, called Focusrite. Right. So I cut my teeth on how the travel industry worked traditionally and how it was changing digitally um, by making an investment and becoming board of the, uh, chairman of the board of directors of Focusrite. So I learned at the elbow of Philip Wolf, who has been you know, he's been the Diogenes looking for a few honest travel people uh, for about 25 years now since uh, he um, created the first acoustic coupler connection to purchasing a ticket over a telephone modem wow. back in the early <laughs> 1990s. So he was a, um, he's a hero of a lot of people who are young mm -hmm. uh, entrepreneurs in this travel space uh, and is a good friend, and, and I have to give much credit to him. But as uh, chairman for 12 years of Focusrite, I was privy to a lot of research trends that were going on in the marketplace, and it was sort of simultaneous combustion. It was um, Philip, another colleague of ours, uh, Fred Lalonde, who's the founder of a company called Hopper, right, uh, and was a co-founder of a company called uh, uh, New Trade Technologies, which sold to Expedia uh, in a make-or-buy decision for Expedia to just have to have their technology. And our fourth co-founder was Kevin May, who's one of the best journalists I've ever worked for. Uh, he's now the senior editor at Teen News and our, our co-founder. So the four of us musketeers uh, saw an opportunity in, in uh, late 2007, 2008, and uh, Teen News was launched in, uh, in, the, in the fall of 2009. Great. I think that is a perfect time to grab another macaroon and take a quick break. And when we do come back, more with Mr. Gene Quinn, the co-founder of Teen News. Stick with us. Greetings, Mouth Media Network listener. My name is Davin Riley, and I'm willing to bet you like music. And even if my assumption is wrong, I still think you should come and check out our show, The Music Lover Podcast, where we sit down with entrepreneurs, pioneers, artists, and the unsung heroes of the music industry. Together, we'll uncover the insider perspectives on some of your favorite companies and artists as we analyze music business trends through a technological lens. Find us at the Music Lover Podcast. But remember, that's Music Lover without the vowels. M-S-C-L-V-R. Yes, we're that cool. And since you're cool too, we should be friends. The Music Lover Podcast. We'll see you there. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. Uh, welcome back, everybody. And of course, we are here with Gene Quinn of T News. So, Gene, I want to dig a little bit more into this idea of digital travel only to get a sense from you of what you think sort of the major historical periods of uh, the travel industry are as it relates to digitization and technology? Yes. Um, the first great wave was in the mainframe and, and client-server architecture period. And, you know, that was 20, 30, even 40 years. So right. I, I'm not going to belabor that. There were mainframes running huge honking systems like the yep. GDSs. Creation and, of Sabre. And, and the right. creation of Sabre. Um, there, were, there were other platforms in broader technology business like Computer Associates and Legion. These were huge um, computer supplier companies. The ones in the GDS were just targeted to travel industry. Right. What really provided the most fundamental change in the new period of post-World Wide Web Internet was the online travel uh, agencies, OTAs. Right. Companies like Expedia, Travelocity, Orbitz, uh, Booking.com. Taking reservations directly over the internet. Exactly. Instead of With phone. different yeah. business models, merchant models, pass-through models. So what, what happened after 1994 and the commercialization of the World Wide Web is that a few entrepreneurs, big companies, ran 
to the vacuum in that market of how hotels were distributed. Remember, there's only about two to 300 airlines uh, during this period and the current period. There's a million hotels and only about 15 plus percent of them are chain hotels. Most big of brands like Hilton yeah. Marriott. Most of them are independent hotels. Somebody mm-hmm. in your family probably owns mm-hmm. a, you know, a hotel. And I'm not talking about Airbnb. I'm talking about a 12 room hotel up to a, you know, 200 room hotel, which is, you know, um, probably still doing business with fax and a pen and paper. At the Does Airbnb desk. count? No. <laughs> Airbnb is a whole different thing. That's, that's, a, that's a future wave. But what, what preceded that to your question, Peter, was Rich Barton inside Expedia and the teams at, uh, at Travelocity, uh, Terry Jones and Mike Durham, who's the CEO of, of, uh, of, of Sabre, um, and, and the other OTAs, uh, Jay Walker at, at uh, Priceline, um, the folks at Booking.com in, in, in Amsterdam, these folks recognized that there was a, um, a vacuum in the marketplace, and they created an, a, a new channel of distribution because commerce was now possible through a personal computer. This is pre-mobile. This is laptop. This is desktop. This is pre-pad, pre-notebook. And the landscape that these guys grabbed between the hotels and all of the other forms of distribution, ranging from walking up to a hotel and giving them money to stay in the room to travel agent networks all over the world where you're calling them up or walking in, Mm -hmm. that changed fundamentally. It changed so fundamentally that it consolidated very quickly. Very quickly. For for most industries at the time, it happened very quickly. So Expedia, Travelocity, um, Orbitz, uh, Booking.com, Priceline, the big five, are now essentially the big two. Priceline Booking and Expedia, which owns Orbitz, Orbitz right? Travelocity, <laughs> and, 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 a, and a piece of Kayak Chimago, and a yeah. bunch of others, yeah. Uh, well, Kayak's a meta search engine. That's a whole different technology, but but – this, this consolidation that occurred in the online travel industry was the, really the first wave in travel of the new merchandising model. These guys don't run hotels. They run your reservation to a hotel. That's a fundamental difference. People like Brian Chesky at, at Uber or at Airbnb and Travis Kalanick at Uber recognize this. They don't run bed and breakfast. Yep. Zero inventory businesses. They don't, they don't own fleets of cars, although they want to own fleets of drivers, car, driverless cars. What they are are dispatchers. So they learned at the, at the elbows of the OTA companies in this new economy where um, Airbnb and, and Uber and Lyft and DD and, and you know, other uh, similar services around the world have grown, grown in a tenth of the period of time. That so, these other companies. In so, the would OTAs you set meta search engines as another wave beyond OTAs? Search engines. Meta search engines. Oh, meta search engines were a, a unique model that were um, sort of libraries of libraries. Right. Um, they were digital libraries of stuff that that relisted things that you could go find in a in a, in a laborious search using a search engine. Um, that business lasted. Right up until Skyscanner got a, got acquired by a Chinese a few months uh, ago, couple yeah. uh, company yeah, a, a few months ago, C Trip, uh, and uh, before that, uh, uh, Kayak was acquired by by Priceline, uh, and you can see the power of these companies like Priceline, which I believe is still the most highly valued public company stock in the travel space. You know, they've gotten into the restaurant reservation business with uh, Open Table. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that they get in, involved in other tangential businesses. Uh, going forward. These two juggernauts at Expedia and uh, Priceline are a collection of brands um, that started with uh, with uh, the garden that they planted in uh, OTAs. And so it is so post-OTA wave, post-meta search engine wave, what would you say takes us to the present day? It's lowercase m, mobile. Mobile, mobile, mobile. Um, the infatuation and addiction that mm-hmm. followed the infatuation with the mobile devices um, has completely um, consumed the consumer. Um, for the first time, consumers truly are technologically ahead of where the providers of the travel services are. You, the, you are at the beck and call of the consumer marketplace if you're a travel provider. You may not think of that if you're running a travel company. But if you're a consumer, 
the commoditization of those brands and the power that the consumer has to skip right by you is enormous because in the power of their hands is a computer, a smartphone, that's 95 times more powerful than the computer aboard the Apollo spaceship that went to the, to the moon. Uh, and I, I don't profess to have created the research around this. I've observed it. A really good place just to be a proper journalist and credit where credit is due. Anyone who hasn't read the series called Mobile is Eating the World by Andreessen Horowitz, Mark Andreessen and his partner, um, who are both a venture and a research firm in Silicon Valley, have been tracking this in, in a wonderful uh, PowerPoint that they share with the world, uh, 2014, 2015, and 2016. In fact, the 2016 version is called Mobile Ate the World. Because <laughs> it it's happened. over. Mobile yeah. is the center of the electronic distribution universe. Now, earlier you mentioned that you've done, or John had referenced, that you have done over 800 of these uh, startup pitches. Um, are you tracking different trends internally at T-News, or do you have any published reports that you're sending out that, that keeps an eye on the trajectory of the, the innovation ecosystem? I, I can honestly tell you, um, most of them have morphed, and many of them have folded. Mm -hmm. um, which so, is expected, of course. Which right? is expected, um, what we've provided is a platform for them to get their word out, but because we don't take an investment position in them, and often the uh, the ownership of them changes, including going out of business, we don't follow them. That That is a terrific suggestion, and we probably should do a better job of following what comes in the next wave. But no, there's not a handy-dandy resource that we can provide, other than the archives of, of T-News. Right, going back and manually kind of placing them. Yeah. And just to be clear, I mean, it's still possible to do it, the, obviously. The startup pitch we we allow them to present is basically an, an online story. That it's an editorial, write. yeah. It's, a, it's an online piece of content that they uh, provide in answering our specific questions. Mm -hmm. um, are you finding, I mean, to your point, startups go to business very, very frequently, and we all know that, um, but... You know, are you finding it's something that I've been hearing a lot? It's basically these legacy technologies that we've just covered, things like mainframe and um, you know some of the existing systems that OTA has built for desktop before mobile. Um, that they're basically s slowing down the process of booking these inventories for startups to be able to work with. So, like you know, at the end of the day, an air, like airline bookings still going to be covered by a GDS or independently with the airlines because it's done through mainframe, which is, um, although older technologies, uh, sometimes scale very well, like, like telecom, uh, mainframe has had some struggles in terms of inventory management for airlines. That's why mm -hmm. so many things happen, right? Based, based on the fact that there's these, you know, kind of hitches that they, that these startups or these new technologies have to get over, you know, the existing ones have been building off the others, kayaks on top of OTAs, and OTAs on top of existing booking that's already there. What do you think would be next? What do you think is like the thing that could possibly break down that wall that, you know, for the routing of mainframe, like what would be the next thing, do you think? Well, I, I think the mountaintops are up around transportation, around lodging or hospitality um, have been taken. I mean, the airlines very seriously are involved in building their own distribution systems. There's a lot of tension between them and the global distribution GDS networks that are out there. The hotel thing has sorted itself out, that the OTA channel is clearly a channel. The walk up to the hotel channel or call the hotel directly is clearly a channel. And the uh, uh, on the um, bed and breakfast or or homestay market, whether it's homestay, which is now part of Expedia, or Airbnb, which is now a huge juggernaut independent, um, that's fairly well established, okay? Um, on the transportation, uh, on, on the uh, ground transportation side, there's still an enormous um, executive coach business that regionally exists for executive transportation. And then the Uberization of the United States and, and a few markets around the world, although they didn't make it in uh, in China, they had to sell out to Didi. Um, that's pretty much been taken too. There's there's a, a large amount of growth, and Uber announced they're going to be going into freight. Um, but if you wanted to start a ride sharing company or an on demand ride company right now, you could do it at low cost with you and your buddy, but your prospects for scale and success is over Very because low. it's 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 happened. Um, 
ditto on the Airbnb and, and homestay and, and uh, lodging space. So I think where it's going to come now um, is organizing and regionalizing through organization um, the tours and activity space. Yeah. One of the spaces that people haven't cracked yet, mm-hmm. in fact, um, there's, a, there's a lot of really good technology thinkers out there who have churned through two, di- two or three different companies trying to figure it out, is how to put a platform together that makes a two-hour tour of the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona as easy to book and buy and experience as a snorkeling trip on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. You would think that a digital transaction can happen there, but remember, in those small businesses that run that scuba diving boat or that one college professor who walks you through the Sagrada Familia doesn't have a CTO standing behind him or her. That's a high-touch business. And... I'm not saying we've maxed out. So I would say that the growth opportunities are going to be service opportunities in what's already built. So mobile services through chatbots and voice recognition technologies that will enable customers to either search, shop, buy, memorialize, Mm -hmm. or share their journeys by using their voice and their brain rather than their thumbs and their their digits um, to to chat into a smartphone. And that's more of a pure technology play than it is right. a travel play per se. And yeah, that's why that's and there's a story in T News today by Kevin May that talked um, about a speech that Simon Breakwell, one of the leaders of Expedia Travel years ago in, in, uh, in Europe, um, talked about how Amazon is getting in the travel business through the back door called voice recognition through the mm. Amazon Echo and Dot and Alexa. Alexa, book me a trip. Talking into my steering wheel talking into the shower and uh, shower head in my home shower, talking into my mobile device. Um, I think there's a new vanguard in voice technology um, that is going to be an opportunity to sort of link together what's already built. Um, and I'm never going to say never about startups because I'm a huge believer in, you know, I'm a serial corporate maverick. And I left the corporate world to get into a startup myself at age 56. So, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. dumb enough to try it at my you know, wise old age, then people should be dumb enough to try at any you know, age. You mm-hmm. know, never has there been a better opportunity to provide a good experience because experiential um, purchases are trending way north, right? So people are prioritizing as as a whole culturally um, investing in experiences, including and mostly travel um, and food and these types of cultural things. Uh, over even savings and and buying a car even or you know or upgrading an apartment um, these are just fundamental value shifts that we've been observing now how much inspiration are you taking from other service industries that uh, just covering from an innovation standpoint so for instance we recently uh, you're you're just talking about the Sagrada Familia um, massive lines similar to any other um, tourist destination in a major city now we just interviewed a, a company called Levy Industries, which is basically queue management software that helps restaurants, you know, when, you know, go to a restaurant, they take your number and then they text you or whatever it is when, you know, your reservation is ready. Similar to those things. Have you been seeing these types of service technologies pop up and, and, and make an impact in the, in the travel economy or the digital travel economy? Sure. Well, I've seen it happen in the travel business. Uh, callback services like you mm-hmm. referenced. Uh, I hate being on hold. Yeah. It's an enormous time waster, and the music usually sucks. Right? <laughs> so I love the fact that even if it takes an hour or two hours, someone is going to call me back within a reasonable time, uh, or at least well, a reasonable you know expectation. It, yeah. it may not be a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. It may be too late. Um, but I think there's enormous a- advancement in thinking about how to service people who have bought things digitally. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a real vanguard there that that service providers yep. can can build on. It may not be in um, creating the next walk on the beach experience of a fully discovered planet. Remember, there's been somebody's footprints washed away by the sand on your private beach in Fiji before you got there. <gasps> not to be cynical about but it. But I paid for it. So, so I paid for that private fact, beach. <laughs> you got a good deal. You were delivered on time. And if you had any hiccups, somebody remove the hiccups from your experience, you're a happy camper. So removing the hiccups from that experience is a very powerful service that if it can be branded by the travel service provider by a white label piece of technology, 
um, that would be a fantastic opportunity mm -hmm. for uh, an entrepreneur in my mind. Yeah, and, and to your point with uh, you know being put on hold, now you don't even you shouldn't even have to call a company to talk to them about something. You can just say, "Hey Alexa, Google Home, you know whichever your platform of choice is." You should just be able to say, "I want to change my reservation," and maybe Alexa will tell you, "Great." Here are your options. It's going to cost you $100. Do you want to do it, yes or no? We're seeing all of that for sure. I mean, mm -hmm. like in the space, we have a, a few AI chatbots that are just focused on travel industry in particular. You know, Things it, like it, that. it occurs to me around this, this um, consumer expectation idea uh, about service and, and support. Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer that my privacy and my profiling information is something that can be meted out as a form of my currency to the, to the travel business. There's nothing in my mind that says with um, uh, the coming blockchain experience, and I'm not just talking about Bitcoin, but actual smart networks, where I can authenticate and identify who I am by opening my kimono just a bit before I open it all the way to show you that I'm not wearing anything underneath. There's no right that a company has to own that information. Previously, there was by asking for it. And consumers were led down that path to, to reveal all this information under the guise of, well, we need it for security or we need it for uh, authenticity. We need it for uh, logging your loyalty For points. your own safety. You can have a personality <laughs> without Eugene Francis Joseph Quinn III as my profile. It can be 128-bit encryption that proves I am who I am. And if I want you to know more about me, That'll be a 5% discount for a peak, a 10% discount for a full frontal nude view. <laughs> and that opportunity is, is, is coming. Yeah. Uh, and with that, we are going to stop with the nude view and um, <laughs> go on to our next segment. <laughs> Unfortunately, and, this is and, radio. <laughs> and with that teaser, we're going to take a quick break and hopefully get to the nude view of Mr. Eugene Francis Joseph Quinn III when we come back uh, with our third and final segment. If you're a business decision maker, you should listen to this. The show you're listening to is produced by Mouth Media Network a podcasting network focused on the business of lifestyle. Because of our team's background and deep connections with brands, influencers, and ecosystems, we offer a tremendous opportunity to bring your company's message and products in front of decision makers from several verticals, including fashion, beauty, travel, materials and textiles, health and fitness, and lifestyle. To explore opportunities to partner, email us at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. And now, on with the show. Welcome back to Travel Is Your Business. It's time for personal questions with... Off the Beaten Path. That's right, Off the Beaten Path, where, quite frankly, we ask some uh, personal questions that'll give a little bit more of a uh, intimate feel of who Mr. Gene Quinn is. And... Uh, we do that and we decide that uh, at random with announcements from our favorite airline personnel. Ladies and gentlemen, would passenger John Matson please report to gate 23A? Okay, and it looks like it goes on to uh, Mr. Matson. So Gene, um, I would love to hear a story. Is there, is there ever a trip that you were on where you were really excited to just get home? Or which of the ones do you remember? <laughs> you know, I can, I can come close to that. We were confronted with the glorious celebration of the 30th anniversary of a dear friend of ours. And about 3 o'clock in the morning on the day that we were scheduled to drive from Connecticut to Cape Cod to celebrate that 30th anniversary, wedding anniversary, we got a call from our son in California who said, Dad, it's happening. I'm taking Hillary to the hospital. It's the birth of our first grandchild. Oh, wow. So we had, um, there's no way we could get there uh, for the child to be born. So we went ahead and um, uh, traveled to Cape Cod and changed all the plans to jump on the first flight we could get out um, to be with uh, our son in 
daughter-in-law for the birth of our first grandchild. So, yeah, I was fully celebrating in one place, but my mind was elsewhere for the birth of my grandson, Kieran, one of uh, the oldest of my three grandkids. That's great. All right, and up next is... Attention, ladies and gentlemen, with passenger Pub and Ball, please press your call button for the flight attendant. Okay, looks like me. Um, so, Gene, I'm curious, you know, going back to childhood, um, you know, when you first started observing planes in the air, just flying overhead, um, you know, what types of imaginations came to mind and things that you really thought of, of what that meant and where they were going. And, um, and then in turn, when you did get on a flight for the first time, how did that compare in relation? Sure. I can tell you, uh, I, I wasn't West of Pittsburgh. I grew up in the Philly area. It wasn't West of Pittsburgh till I was 26 years old. So I was a a car Mm -hmm. traveler, Mm -hmm. not an airline traveler as a kid, right? I grew up in the outskirts of Philly, um, nearby where we lived was a um, private aviation field. No jets, just Cessnas, Cessnas and, yeah. and you know maybe a couple of beach beachcraft. But I remember vividly standing at the end of that runway, watching the planes take off. Nice. I had no idea I was going to be in media. I had no idea I was going to be in uh, in the in the travel space as part of media. But there was just something glorious about it. Rolled down the runway, and all of a sudden they were in the air. How did that happen? And it wasn't until I had physics class in high school that I really understand, understood how it happened. So it was, you know, kind of a an awakening to me to, to understand how the aerodynamics kept them up. But that was more the curiosity as how the plane stayed up, not so much what the business was about. Always and, thought that was kind of cool. And how does that compare now, the feeling and emotion of actually going into a flight for the first time? You know, I'm not a car guy. I'm not a plane guy. Uh, I'm a fisherman, so I love fly rods, uh, but I'm not a gear guy per se. I mean, smartphone's cool. I mean, I have one. I know how to use it. Um, but there's something special about when an airplane takes off and when it lands. I'm never scared. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it just feels like you're going somewhere. And when you come back, it's like a roller coaster ride. I mean, taking off is usually a piece of cake, but coming back's not always a piece of cake. Um, but I always get excited when the plane takes off. Not nervous, just excited. And then when it touches down again, I'm always trying to feel that bump when the wheels first touch down. So to me, it's the most visceral part of uh, of the journey. Not the most spiritual, certainly not the, the most fun, but it, it's always a visceral feeling that when you feel the bottom drop out and return. Mm-hmm. Attention passengers, would Peter Crysdale please pick up your luggage at the information counter? And our last question, of course, goes to Peter. So, Gene, we've been talking a lot about the uh, constant march of new technology, innovations. What do you do? Where do you go to kind of get away from that? Do you have a favorite destination? Yeah, I have two favorite places to fish. One is the Henry's Fork of the Snake River, um, just below Yellowstone Park and just above Idaho Falls, Idaho. It's one of the most glorious watersheds in the country. And my second best place place to fish is the next place I fish that I have not visited yet. So I have my own bucket list of where I want that to be. I've fished all over the world. All right. Uh, and they're all special. But the place I haven't seen, that's on my top two list. What's your next on your list? I, I can't tell you because I haven't planned it yet. Mm-hmm. But it'll probably be Atlantic salmon uh, or steelhead trout. Um Somewhere above the 42nd parallel in either Northern Europe or uh, or uh, Northern Asia, actually. And do you keep what you catch? Most of the time I don't. Uh, I, I keep some saltwater fish. I love fish. I think it's a very helpful way to eat. Uh, but most freshwater fish I, I toss back. Wow, that is fantastic. And it's a great way to uh, end off this episode of Travel is Your Business. So, you know, before we end off, is there a final thought or reflection piece that you want to provide? Um, whether it's on this or just overall your experience in the travel industry and as well as what's the best way to uh, connect with you or the things that you're doing. I made some remarks last week in Shanghai at the ITB uh, trade show, the inaugural ITB trade show, a large German travel trade company. Uh, And the theme of the speech was uh, voice technology and uh, mobile. 
So I truly believe that we've only scratched the surface of the form factor of computing that's possible on a mobile device. Mm -hmm. uh, the mobile device is a better page-turning device than the browser was on the desktop, but still, it's not very intuitive. And I think there's, there's a vanguard that we have not yet breached uh, that's coming, and that will be through voice technology. The connection of your semantic brain to what you ultimately want from a machine learning environment that can actually get you there more quickly without going through 19 to 37 searches, which Expedia or Google, depending on who you're talking to, say you need to go through in order to get to your final destination, quote unquote, uh, to what you want to buy for your trip. There should be a more natural way to do that. So I think speech technology, which you're starting to see at Baidu Search in China and WeChat, which is the Facebook of China, um, search and uh, interactions on their social media network, you're starting to see that. And part of the reasons for it is uh, uh, the Chinese alphabet is so complex and so hard to type and figure out, uh, and uh, it's much easier to use voice technology. So quite a bit of their technology is uh, voice technology uh, is in the hands of their consumers. Uh, and 80% of Facebook use uh, is through mobile. So there's a natural connection between voice and being connected to your Facebook community as well. Uh, and I heard a presentation in China last week that 20% of Android searches on mobile devices are voice searches. So it's coming. And mm -hmm. I think it's not just a, a prediction, but I think it'll be a blessing uh, because it'll be a more natural way for an individual to search. To communicate. Not someone mm -hmm. else's vision of how they should be searching. And what is the best way to connect with you and the different projects that you're working on? Yeah, I'm at Gene, G-E-N-E, at tnoz.com, T-N-O-O-Z.com. Perfect. And how about on social? Uh, on social, you can find me at, at Gene Quinn on Twitter. Although I must say I'm a notorious broad broadcaster, not a notorious joiner. And I consider that a blessing. <laughs> Absolutely great. Well, fantastic. And thank you once again, uh, Gene, for joining us today. I uh, really appreciated your insights here, and I'm sure our audience did as well. Thank you very much. Uh, so that's it, ladies and gents, for this episode of Travel Is Your Business. For Mr. John Matson, Bon Voyage, and Peter Kreisdell. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> I am Puffin Ball. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you enjoyed your stay, and we'll see you next time. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.